Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin L. Jackson, and welcome to Digital Transformers on Supply Chain Now. I'm greeting you today from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and flying on my wing is Scott Luton from the ATL. Hey, Scott, how are things today? Kevin, <laughs> hey, we're doing great because this is the home of the Atlanta Braves who hey, currently hey. reside in first place. I said place. no, no, I said no Braves now. Okay, <laughs> our Nationals is yeah, we're kind of having a rough year, but you know. <laughs> we are just a couple of years off a of World Series championship, so. You know, it's been 26 years since our last one in 1995. So, hey, you know, that's okay. You're still in the honeymoon phase, I imagine. But we have got one heck of a conversation teed up talking the Braves and Nationals are, are, are recent titans in the world of baseball. But, Kevin, we're going to be talking about a titan in the world of, of supply chain visibility, right? Oh, yes, yes, because it's amazing. We're going to be uh, talking to Raitlink. Uh, we got uh, Andrew from Rate Links, Andrew Hooser, and he's going to be talking about reducing costs and getting better team results and exceeding your organization's business goals. And they're using it, doing this by using data quality driven logistics. So Scott, did you know that supply and demand chain executives selected Rate Links as a recipient of the top supply chain projects award for 2021. I knew of that, but I also have known that they've been having to invest in a bigger trophy cabinet there at Ratelings headquarters. <laughs> That's one of numerous accolades they've been accumulating. Wow. Yeah. They're really a star, aren't they? But before we get to the meat of today's show and, and uh, see how heavy their awards are, <laughs> let's first thank our sponsor, Digital Names by Total Network Services. If you enjoy today's conversation, be sure to find and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Oh, you know, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google, we're everywhere. So, but before I start, let's bring Andrew, the RateLinks Vice President of customer solutions into the conversation to tell us more about the importance of data in modern logistics. Hey, welcome, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Well, hey, no, great to have you back, Kevin. Yeah. We love our repeat guests, right? <laughs> As you said, he's a pro here, right? <laughs> he's the adult in the room, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't understand why, right? But there may be some people that missed the first show. Andrew, I'm, uh, my apologies, but <laughs> can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, any anecdotes from your upbringing, and uh, what do you do uh, all day as the Vice President of uh, Customer Solutions at Ringlinks? Yeah, well, there might be a lot of people that ask that, but uh, anyways, <laughs> so, you know, I had, the, I had a great upbringing, grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, had had a great family life, you know, got to play lots of sports uh, as a kid. So 
I know Scott and we, we talked a lot about wrestling and a lot of things on the, the last episode, but well, hang had on. A great you can't ep- just, you can't just pass by that little <laughs> nugget there, Andrew, you gotta get, you gotta refresh our memory. What's your favorite wrestler of all time? I know, I know a couple of mine. What was yours? Well, it's Jerry Lawler. I mean, he's the King. He's from Memphis. Right. So, he's the King from Memphis. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Memphis is the city of Kings. So Jerry <laughs> right. being one of them. <laughs> I tell it. you. My my uh, my youngest son. I have three. I have uh, uh, my youngest is my daughter uh, Lauren, but my my middle child, my son, he's big into wrestling. So, <laughs> you, man, yeah. you even said it right. That was how it's pronounced <laughs> with an A and an apostrophe. If you really watched it. So, thanks yeah. for humoring us again, Andrew. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So. You know, after growing up, I went uh, went to down to your part of the world, Scott, to Georgia Tech. Got an industrial engineering degree. Uh, just so you know, I, we didn't talk. We talked about barbecue a little bit, but uh, I remember going down there, and I had friends that would take me out to barbecue places, and I was always disappointed. And <laughs> I didn't, I didn't quite know why. And then I realized, like Memphis is known for its barbecue, but I kept going to these places, and it just, it just wasn't the same. So I'm, I'm sorry for that, but. <laughs> They, they never could, uh, never could cut it uh, when I was down there. Well, you know, that's kind of an unfair advantage, right, Kevin? I mean, to be to grow up in Memphis with with your backyard is such a a proven ground for some of the best barbecue in the world. That's yeah. like, uh, I don't know, it's like growing up in I don't know Washington D.C. and 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 looking for you know monuments and, and historical <laughs> you know places right, to visit. Right. And go, right? go down, yeah, right. Go to Tennessee looking for some uh, horrible monuments, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't exist. Um, <laughs> but no, I had no idea growing up. I, you know, once I was down in Atlanta, I realized that it actually is special. But uh, no, I had a great time at Tech. You know, I, I did play rugby for a little while. I realized that sport hurts, so I stopped that at some point during college. Uh, <laughs> plus, smart, my grades huh? were suffering some from it, so definitely, uh, definitely steered away from that. But you know, got an industrial engineering degree. Kind of fell in love, love with supply chain and logistics. Then uh, the world just fascinated me. Memphis is obviously a logistics hub, hmm. so that was something that you know really just I was drawn to. Uh, so I got into the logistics world, uh, supply chain world, worked for a third party logistics company for uh, several years, did a lot of different things there. Then I moved over to a packaging company that made milk and juice cartons, uh, made plastic bottles, bottle caps, you know, got to see a, a massive supply chain. Uh, and now I'm here at Ratelinks uh, working with a lot of different customers, supporting their strategic initiatives, you know, and really helping them get value out of our tools. That's, that's what I do all day. You know, on a personal note, I live on a farm. So, you know, I've got three kids and we like going hunting and fishing and uh, we have a vegetable garden that we do. My wife has a blueberry orchard. So if you're uh, in the area in June and you want some blueberries, then uh, stop on by, but we get the great mix of the city and country life. You know, so you're on the farm. You catch the sun when it rises in the morning, and go get the uh, the eggs and the uh, not the cows. Yep. No, there's there's chickens and cows on the farm. Wow, I, can't, I won't say that I visit them every day, but I don't buy a lot of eggs. How about that? <laughs> well, you know, so Kevin's a world traveler here, and so don't be surprised when he shows up in Memphis as part of those world travels. To get a couple of scoops of blueberries. <laughs> oh, I'll get a couple of gallons. I love blueberries. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, 
you've kind of brought us up to, I think one of the final, just one of the last things uh, in this opening segment that, that we want to get you to speak to is, is your role at RateLinks, that vice president of customer solutions. I think I've got that right. In a small nutshell, what do you do in that role? Yeah. So my job is to work with our customers, making sure that we're supporting their strategy. Um, it could be making sure that they they have the right strategy. So we work in a very collaborative fashion with our customers, making sure that they're getting full value out of the, you know, the tools and services we provide uh, and making sure that, you know, we're doing everything we can to support those strategies. So it could be anything from helping with analytics to make sure they're, you know, tracking their metrics appropriately and, and we're setting all that up correctly to helping with integrations, to helping advise them on, you know, you know, bids and things like that. So mm. um, I'm very fortunate that I get to work with uh, a lot of our customers and I get to really understand their business better. Yeah. Uh, so that's really fascinating to see how these companies work. And we have a, a, you know, a lot of different types of customers. So we have some that are very small companies uh, all the way up to the, you know, large fortune 500 type uh, customers and they're all completely different. So, so uh, I spent a lot of time learning. Uh, it's really fun. So let's talk about that. So, so for additional context, and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of switch our conversation around just a bit. Uh, you've kind of shared, shed some light on your professional journey. And I, I want to, for the sake, or it makes sense, I want you to talk about what Rate Links does. And then I'm going to mm-hmm. circle back to your professional journey. So all of that you just shared where you're making sure that the organization is delivering for customers and, and you're uh, part of that uh, very active, interactive uh, channel of communication and results and metrics. What at the core, what does RateLinks do? Yeah, so we're a technology platform and we also have services in addition to that. So we have a transportation management system uh, that can do everything from, you know, shipment optimization, carrier selection. Um, you know, we have an auction platform. We have an inbound supplier portal. So if somebody's shipping inbound and they, you know, they want their vendors to log in and yep. use their rates, they can do that. We also have a freight pay and audit system. So if you want to pay your carrier invoices and make sure that they're accurate, um, make sure that you know they match contracts, we have a tool that does that. We also have a uh, visibility platform that connects to our customers to their carriers so they can see where their freight is at any given time. And layered on top of all this is really our analytics platform that ties together data, ties, you know, integrates data and ensures that you know, we're pulling in all the information necessary for our customers to make good decisions and helping them make good decisions um, in an automated fashion. Okay. So Kevin, I, I want to, I know we're going to talk about one of their particular products uh, and offerings here in a minute after we kind of talk more about his journey and his Eureka moment, but y'all were talking pre-show about mm. not only getting the information, you know, you need to have, but you, Kevin, you made a great point about some information that that really you have no you have no idea because it's in your blind spot. You don't even know you need it. Kevin, speak to that a bit, and and let's talk to Andrew about that too. Yeah. So one of the things you you sort of started talking about is is data, and uh, a lot of organizations, uh, you know, in today's data driven world, uh, there's just too much data. You don't know what's the good data. And you don't know what's the bad data. And you may not even know what data is out there that you're not seeing, that you don't know even exists. Sort of that unknown data that could be critical to your business process. How? 
how does rate link understand or pick the right data for their customers? I mean, you said you have uh, small companies all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. I mean, if, if I'm a two-person shop, I don't want the five, you know, the uh, Fortune 500 data flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and that's where, you know, first of all, Raylinks has been around a while. We're mm -hmm. you know 20 years old. So we've got, uh, I don't know how many years of experience across our, you know, our group, but this is what we do. And so, you know, honestly, when you're talking to a small company up to versus the Fortune 500, um, some of the systems might be a little different, but a lot of the data needs, honestly, are pretty similar. And so we really go through trying to understand what does a customer, what do they need? Right. And trying to understand what is what do we need to piece together? And then we figure out how to go integrate that. So somebody- What are we trying shipping, to accomplish is, is what I'm hearing there, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So somebody that's shipping hearts has a very different need than somebody that's shipping grain, right? Yep. And so once we understand that, we connect the dots and we integrate that to give that back to our customers uh, to make their decisions. Okay. Yeah. So- Kevin's going to dive into a specific offering y'all have it in a moment, but I, I want to, I think it's important that beyond all the experience you have and beyond all the conversations we've had with y'all, but you know, groups like Gartner have, have validated and, and given y'all accolades. I think y'all hit the magic quadrant with two of your offerings this year, right, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're in the, you know, track and trace. We've been recognized for our track and trace. Uh, also our TMS and also our freight pan audit system. So we've definitely had a lot of awards that we're excited about um, that truly validate, um, you know, the good work that our team has put in and, and building these solutions from the ground up because um, they're really unique offerings. The MQ, and yeah. as Greg has stated, Kevin, <laughs> numerous times, despite his best efforts, you cannot buy your way into that MQ. It's, it, it oftentimes it is what you're doing, it's what you're delivering. And of course, your reputation out in the marketplace. All right. All right two quick points. And I'm going to throw it back to Kevin. First off, as you were kind of painting the picture of your journey, Andrew, mm -hmm. there's lots of folks in these technology services companies that don't aren't practitioners. I bet rate links and your customers use your experience there to the hilt. Talk about, you know, the leg up that you probably have because you've been there and done it. You've, you've been that practitioner that's now helping companies get the technology that they need. Yeah, well, I've you know been really fortunate in my background because uh, I started out as a vendor. Um, so I was servicing my customers, getting their freight moved, working on strategic projects as a vendor. Then I moved and sat in the shipper role. So I understand what to do, what not to do, learned a, a lot of lessons the hard way. And now I'm in the technology side. So I get to see all three angles. And I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, that have that, but I'm able to see it from the carrier point of view, from the shipper point of view and the technology point of view. Uh, and I think that that does help tremendously just give me perspective. So uh, Andrew, you're not giving yourself Thanks enough credit. Sure. I'm thinking that Venn diagram, Kevin, mm -hmm. and there's not many people in that center quadrant that have all three of uh, understanding and experience there. One last question. I'm going to throw it over to Kevin. Eureka moments. So last time you're with us, you shared a couple. You and Nate both did. Nate Endicott. Uh, your colleague there at Rate Links. What's been a, a recent Eureka moment that you've had? Yeah, so I mean, I think we'll get into this some, but I think just the value of integrating data. You know, there was a, a company we're working with not too long ago that had spent a lot of money on an SAP install, 
and they they lost visibility. They could not mm. see, you know, their product throughout their inventory pipeline. And you know, we were basically able to connect to different data sources. They honestly they they had access to. They just couldn't tie it together. And you know, these are large companies, right? And they've spent millions of dollars on these systems. So you expect they have it all and 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 in there. And it's just really been eye opening, you know, being on this side of the fence to see that there's a lot of companies that they, like you said, they have data all over the place, but how do you tie it together? How do you integrate it and make it usable? That's where, you know, that's really art at that point. That's not yeah. data science, that is art. And I think that's what, you know, we're able to do with a lot of our customers. Um, and it's been eye-opening for me because I've sat on the shipper side and naturally that's just what I do is let me figure out the data, let me tie it together and use it. But um, there's a lot of companies out there that are struggling with it because they have so much data. Um, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I guess that could be, you know, just because you have data doesn't mean you have knowledge, right? Or you don't have, uh, data doesn't automatically give you insight into what's going on in your organization. Yep, absolutely. Right. Data and systems don't solve problems. So <laughs> they can create them. <laughs> right. Well, one thing you, you'd mentioned, your ITS, your intelligent transportation management system, how it uh, made it into the magic quadrant uh, for Gartner. You know, today you hear about, you know, smart televisions, you know, smart this, smart that, intelligent this, intelligent that. But I always want to know or wonder what, you know, what makes it so intelligent? So what your, your ITM, your ITMS, you know, I've read a little bit about it and, and it seems really unique what what makes it so intelligent yeah so first of all our tool is very extensible and configurable so um, when we go to integrate with somebody we don't simply say here's our platform go use it as it is mm -hmm. um, we really tie it into their processes and we can do that without writing tons of custom code and spending months on on doing that. The other thing I think around the intelligence piece is, you know, one of our big focuses right now is on prescriptive insights. So obviously we have descriptive analytics, we have some predictive analytics, but getting to that prescriptive level where the system not only will, you know, have the data to show you um, where you've lost money or where you could have saved money, but we will go tell the user what decision they should make. Um, and the system can even go make it for you. So that's where I think it's cutting edge. I don't think, you know, there's not too many companies out there that have anything close to this at this point. And I think our customers are getting a lot of value out of really taking that to, you know, to the next level and the system helping you know, really making decisions for the user, because quite honestly, people don't have time. I think we've seen that over the last year, supply chains have been in, in shambles. And, you know, the people that are directing these supply chains don't have time to sit there and sift through data and try to figure out what they should do differently. So, you know, our system will help do that for them. Well, one thing is it sounds like it's very proactive, but mm -hmm. is that a double-edged sword there? I mean, do you want the machine to make the decisions for you? Can you maybe, you know... Put a little yeah. solve on that. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think it depends on the decision. If it's a, if it's a small change, yeah, you don't want to have to approve that every time. If it's something big that's strategic, no. But the system will at least tell you what it thinks you should do, and you can either validate that and and do it, or decide not to. Either way, uh, I think you know 
because people have so much data and so many different systems, it's hard to find all those opportunities um, and go execute them. So this is really just augmenting our users' abilities to be able to make good decisions. Well, it sounds like you're leveraged that, that insider knowledge that Ratelinks has built over the years about the right things and the wrong things to do. And you just sort of present it uh, to the human so the human can make the smart decision. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, in, in many of our conversations we have with you and, and members of the Ratelinks team, you know, we always talk about visibility. You can't have a supply chain conversation these days without talking about visibility. It seemed like last year, or maybe it was 2019, you couldn't have one without talking about blockchain. It was required in every conversation. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, we're all kind of, you know, uh, grinning right now, but blockchain continues to find new and, and improved practical applications and more case studies, which I love to see. But I want to talk more about visibility with you, Andrew. I'm going to share a recent experience because it, you know, we all have Eureka moments, right? And, and I promise I'll, I'll be very short-winded here, but we just had a, um, came off a big event with uh, multiple parties in multiple geographic locations, all had a role. And, and with technology, you know, kind of event content at the core, right? Think production team in Colorado and the, the event itself was in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, probably, well, I guess probably a couple hours from Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, we had our team in the metro Atlanta area. We had other teams, other places around the globe. And all focused on creating the show, right? So we're not moving stuff, but creating on, on wowing an audience. Well, one of the segments during this, this multiple day uh, event finished 30 days early. And, and, you know, we had everything sequenced out to the minute. But when that happened, when that little change happened, there was about a 20 or 30 minute period where we weren't sure what that ripple effect would be. And it kind of paralyzed our operation for a minute. Right. In, in terms of, you know, live, the live being live in the moment, right. Production and whatnot. And it really, you know, it's been a while since I was a practitioner, you know, in manufacturing and it had for a second, I was like, man, this is like, this is like supply chain visibility. I'm not sure what's coming next. I'm not sure what they want us to talk about next, but th- that example aside, speak to the visibility conversations that you and the rate links team are having, especially with the backdrop of being this, you know, this, this ever moving, ever evolving, you know, pandemic environment that, that hopefully, you know, we're all trying to fight to get into that post pandemic environment. What are y'all talking these days when it comes to visibility? Yeah. So I think what we've seen and what, well, what everybody has realized over the last year is there's a physical supply chain, you know, trucks, trains, truck drivers, um, which there aren't enough of, right. And there's also a digital supply chain, and that's where it's your ERP systems and your WMSs and, you know, really those high level analytics. Mm-hmm. And those worlds don't always intertwine in people's minds, but they are intertwined. And I think when you start seeing toilet paper disappearing from the shelves and cars can't be made because there's not the microchips, people realize these two worlds combined. There are wor- real world consequences for the digital supply chain being off for whatever reason that may be. And so what we've really seen is, you know, companies realize that they have to make sure that digital supply chain is as robust as possible. You know, just Scott, in the example you had, basically, if you don't have that, you're just reacting to whatever comes next. You don't Mm -hmm. know what's coming next. You're just reacting. 
you are not in control. So if you have that visibility, you can make different decisions than you would otherwise. One of the big areas that we've seen uh, over the last year is the inbound side being a bigger priority, where previously, you know, when you talk track and trace, most companies worried about their customers. How do we make sure that we can see what's going to our customers? Um, that conversation has changed a lot over the last year and a half or so to now now people are looking at, let me see all my raw materials coming in. Let me see everything going to my distribution center. So then I can make different decisions as far as what orders I'm filling, uh, my production scheduling, making sure that I make those changes proactively so that I don't end up with stock out situations and making promises I can't keep to customers because I just don't have the product. Uh, so that's been a real interesting evolution over the last years, just watching that inbound side. Um, come to life and and the value has been proven because of all the issues we've had. It sounds like that the aspect of having visibility both uh, down the supply chain and up the supply chain, they're, they're equally important when you're, you're trying to uh, service your customer and deliver that value. Yep, absolutely. And within the supply chain. So one of the things that is unique about us is if you want to pass us production data, if you want to you know, pass us demand planning data, you know, WMS inventory data, we can tie that all together so you can get that true end-to-end -end view that starts at the vendor and goes all the way through the customer uh, and everything in between, which is pretty unique. Yeah. Really quick, Kevin and Andrew, really quick. Just, you know, Laura Ciceri, Kevin, is someone that we've collaborated with. Uh, I'll tell you, Laura and Ciceri, uh, Laura Ciceri and Kevin L. Jackson in a room. We can solve the world's <laughs> problems, I can promise you. But she made a great statement the other day that seems obvious, but it, 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 it made me stop and really think. You know, Everyone assumes that all the different aspects of, of supply chain, kind of Andrew, that you were pointing to a minute ago, they're, they're all talking with each other. You know, Everybody's in the room that needs to be in the room or at the table, but that's not the case. And one of the things I'm hearing here is how, how we can plan to systematize and use technology to ensure you know, whether we're having machines talk to each other or, you know, practitioners talk to each other, we can take advantage of that lever and, and, and at least make more progress where, where that communication is taking place. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a previous life, uh, working, you know, on the manufacturer side of things, you'd go to a meeting with the supply chain group and logistics and the operations group and the finance group, and everybody bring their data source and say, well, my data says this. And of course it was all, you know, discombobulated, didn't make sense. And you just spend all the time arguing about the data instead of deciding what to do. And if you can tie that all together, then you change the conversation from, well, I don't believe you to, you know, let's look at what we can do differently and let's develop a strategy and a plan to, you know, address the circumstances that we're faced with right now. So absolutely, it's incredibly valuable. <laughs> Yeah, one time when you look at data, you know, it may appear to be different, but it's it's the same outcome. You're just looking at it from different perspectives. Like if you're looking at a turn from the back, it may look like a right turn. But if you're looking at it from the front, it looks like a left turn, but it's the same data. It just looks different. You have to bring, you know, understand those differences. And, one thing you, you mentioned earlier, you, you talked about the physical supply chain and the digital supply chain. And I always refer to that as the physical world 
and the virtual world. So you can, you can see the same event from a physical viewpoint and a virtual viewpoint and have correct data from those two different viewpoints, but sit there and argue uh, because of its different technology. And the, it really shows the challenges and complexities of technology, the, the stuff that you use at, at rate links with your customers. And, and, you know, if I'm not comfortable with technology, I'm gonna be scared of that seemingly different way of viewing reality. So how does RateLink address those fears from, from the customers? It would be great if you could give us some examples of how you sort of ally those fears of seeing the same event and getting what appears to be different data. Yeah, so there's a quote out there and I'm not sure who said it, but you can't crawl into flying, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, we see that a lot where, first of all, I think, you know, we have to make sure we understand, you know, for new customers in particular, where are they today? You know, are they crawling? Are they walking? Are they running? Are they flying already? Because there are some of those that we just play a little part in to, to help them. And so I think that's the first step is let's understand what, you know, what's going on today. And really our approach, we try to, uh, we don't go in with, you know, the mindset that we're just going to completely change everything. A lot of these companies have been very successful doing a lot of the things they're doing. So let's look at the process and figure out how do we fit in and then tailor that approach so that it doesn't just completely change the world. Because a lot of times the entire world doesn't need to be changed. Some examples of that is, you know, we have a rating engine uh, that's very dynamic. We've built it from the ground up. And, you know, we have a lot of customers that will continue to use their own TMS that they spent millions of dollars installing. And they will simply, you know, we'll use API to hit our rating engine and pull in rates that are more dynamic than they might get otherwise. Uh, and they can pull that back into their system and still execute. So the user, um, the guy that is scared of the change and the physical, mm -hmm. you know only wants to look at the physical world, his world doesn't change for all practical purposes. It's behind the scenes. Um, he doesn't even know it's happening. Another example is our auction tool. So we have a tool that can be used on the spot market. And uh, Andrew, I got to ask, is the micro machine gentleman from the 80s part of that auction tool in any way, shape or form? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> The, one of the fastest talkers in the world that was used at auctions for around oh, yeah. the globe in the 1980s. Yeah, he Maybe. got phased out a few years ago. Oh, was <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I was worried I was dating myself a little bit. I collected tons of those micro machines. It was, it was uh, part of the physical world. We got rid of yeah, it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Yeah, we had an upgrade a few years ago. He he, he went away. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the auction tool will connect our customers to various carriers uh, to get rates where they don't have them. And we have some customers that their TMS simply reaches out to the auction tool. We find a rate in a carrier and it returns it. So we don't have to change, you know, a, a user's world. I think when people think about integrations and implementations, everybody imagines the worst case, which the worst case happens a lot, where you put in a new system and all of a sudden things don't ship, customers are yelling, upper management's yelling, and it's just a nightmare scenario. And to avoid that, you know, you really have to, you know, just implement what, what's necessary so that you don't just have this 
you know, big effect all at once. And that takes a lot of collaboration with customers to, to really figure out what is the strategy and then build it over time and don't just do everything, you know, at one, in one shot. You can't crawl to fly, right? Is that what you said? Absolutely. Uh, You can't crawl into flying. Andrew, I don't know if you know this yet or not, but we're going to share it with you. But uh, our dear friend, Kevin L. Jackson, sitting here with us. He's a former uh, naval aviator. (laughs) And he can probably tell us plenty of stories about how you really can't crawl into flying, right? (laughs) Right, absolutely. All right. So we'll save those stories for a later episode. So let's, uh, as we start to wind down this interview, Andrew, I know that you're really focused in on, on a lot of things we've talked about here today, but when you, when you broaden your scope a little bit, right, when you pull those blinders off and, and really, as I continue to think out loud, all supply chain professionals have to pull those blinders off because it's systems thinking, it's, it's uh, enterprise thinking, it, it's uh, higher altitude, you can kind of see upstream and downstream, it's, it's required these days, uh, unlike some of the functional silos and that, that type of thinking that was much more accepted, you know, genera- a couple of generations ago. Andrew, what else are you tracking when you survey global industry right now? Yeah, I think really what I'm interested in is what are the long-term impacts of the last year um, on supply chains? So I think we all saw in 2019 that uh, just-in-time inventory systems were a bad idea. I don't think anybody predicted that, but in a pandemic, it doesn't work. And right now, we have a lot of companies eager to change because they, they've realized they need to upgrade their supply chain abilities. But if things start returning back to normal two or three years from now, are we, are we still in that mindset? Or will things just go back to the way they were, you know, and, and nothing really change? And so that's really interesting, especially when you think about, you know, truck drivers and, mm. you know, potential truck driver shortage that every two or three years, you know, it pops back up again. And then, you know, the market goes back down and there's plenty of truck drivers and everybody forgets about it. Right. So I think those two things, you know, how do we use the available capacity better as a supply chain community? I think that's those two things intersect at that point, because if we can figure out how to be more efficient, use that capacity better, get visibility. So you don't have truck drivers just sitting unnecessarily, then I think that's great for, for really the entire country to be able to do that. So you know, how this all evolves over the next few years. Um, hopefully we, won't, we don't just forget and we get better from it, but time will tell, right? Yeah. Interesting so, perspective. Uh, Kevin. Yeah. Really, really great perspective. When you were talking about, you know, just plugging into your, your engine that you developed, you know, I can see one of your customers saying, oh, this change, you're going to have a hundred software developers going through our code and, and writing stuff and changing that and fixing that when really it's just an API call to your existing engine, right? Absolutely. So it, it, that that info that you're, you're giving is, is great. We really, really like that and really appreciate it. But unfortunately, we, we seem to be out of time, but I, I would like to invite everyone to uh, learn more about rate links to uh, go to the website. How how can our listeners get in touch with you, Andrew, and, and learn more about rate links? Yeah, I'm active on LinkedIn, so feel free to you know connect with me or reach out. Um, would love to set up a chat and and talk about it. Great, that's that that's awesome. It sounds like you have a a lot of, of knowledge that that you can share. Kevin, he'll he'll talk visibility. He'll talk supply chain 
We'll talk barbecue, <laughs> uh, wrestling, blueberries, you name it. You can have a conversation with just about anything. <laughs> yeah. And most importantly, enjoy it and walk away better informed. Andrew, uh, a pleasure. But Kevin, another great show. Man, oh, we yeah. got more heavy hitters. But I, I have to say, I think it was wrestling, not wrestling, right? That's right. Wrestling. I said it wrong. Please <laughs> spell it right. <laughs> I had to catch you on that. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to invite everyone to check out a wide variety of industry thought leadership that we have uh, here at Supply Chain Now, like Andrew, and, and knowing wrestling versus wrestling, okay? And uh, please, uh, you can find us, Digital Transformers, and you can subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcast. So on behalf of the entire team here at Supply Chain Now, this is Kevin L. Jackson and Scott Luton, wishing all of our listeners a bright and transformational future. We'll see you next time on Digital Transformers. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.